Oh, hey. I didn't see you there. Welcome to the week 17 patch. On this week's patch, I, Kaylee, will be your host. And I, Kaylee, definitely did not finally murder Zyger. Spencer, you were a useful alibi. I mean, hello. Hi. Yeah, you definitely didn't murder him. When I was talking shit about Apple this morning, he was still on Twitter, so... He's alive. That's true. That's true. He has been on Twitter. He texted. He's texted me like twice in the week that he's been gone, and it makes me nervous not knowing what Tiger's up to. You know, just knowing he's out there somewhere in the world, and and who knows, who knows what he's fallen into. I don't know. He's like Homeward Bound. It's fine. I loved Homeward Bound. That was one of my favorite movies as a kid. Oh, I didn't like any of the ones where it was like real animals. They followed with a camera and tried to convince you we're talking. I, I don't like the Air it. Buds. I love the golden receiver. All right, Jordan, who didn't you dismember this week? I have never put a body in a lake, and I don't know why you would ever tell the world, like, who did I dismember? Like, it's a thing. (laughs) If you start naming names, you know me. You know I'll edit it out for sure, 100%. So So if anybody feels the need to incriminate themselves, you know. You know, I did have an imaginary friend that doesn't show up anymore. Just... I had the closest thing I had to imaginary friends as a kid. I oh no, this is sad. <laughs> I named my hands. I don't want to talk cute. to my hands. Oh, that's cute. I, that's but nice. I was left-handed, so I always pretended that my right hand was stupid, and I was like, "You're dumb, Me you're too. stupid," and I was shit hand... my right hand. <laughs> The right hand was the workhorse. They had to do all the menial labor, and the yeah. left hand was royalty. You get to write and eat. The first, I can't even remember what I named. But I named the right hand a name I didn't like. The name of a girl that was mean to me. I was like, it was a name I didn't like. And then, like, my left hand got a name I did like. It was I don't know. I was like four and very lonely. In a in a in a in a, a bit of news that's like has nothing to do with the thing you just said, but I was reminded as I was reading the, your <laughs> transition. Yeah. Oh, hey, didn't see you there. Every time I hear that phrase, I think about the Lonely Island song, I Just Had Sex, because the Millie says, oh, hey, didn't see you there. Guess what I just did? Thank you. That's the exact energy. Thank you. Every time I say it, I'm just, I like to make references that are really, really, really obscure. But they're not to me. They totally make sense to me, because I'm the one that was like, oh, this will be funny. Yeah. Oh, hey, didn't see you there. Love it. Uh, You know what else I love? Scrum intro music. Private Scrum. We're telling you. The Scrum. PlayStation's back at it again with the fighting community, love. Evo 2021 has been announced and they're giving away fat cash prizes. The Evo Community Series is back and will run June 10th through August 3rd, with PlayStation hosting three tournaments between now and August themselves, all on PS4. Currently, there are over 120 international tournaments scheduled, with almost 75,000 doll hairs up for grabs. Evo itself will be August 6th through 8th and 13th through 15th. Free entry. I can't remember. Did they always have free entry? I always thought that it cost money before. It's always been free for their online tournaments, because not all states can legally have you pay money to go to tournaments. Oh, cool. Dope. Well, now it's free for everybody, thanks to those states. This year's games include Tekken 7, Mortal Kombat 11 Ultimate, Guilty Gear Strive, and Street Fighter V Champion Edition getting featured game building. Billing. Side tournaments abound this year, so don't let the short bill fool you. Blaze Blue Cross Tag Battle, Dragon Ball Fighter Z, 
Mobile Suit Gundam Extreme versus Maxi Boost, Grand Blue Fantasy versus Skullgirls Second Encore, Soul Calibur Six, and Undernight in Birth EX Late CLR all have their own side tournaments with cash prizes of their own, and really do a lot carrying the banner of obscure fighting game titles. I don't know how I did with that last one. There are so many symbols. It was like trying to announce Elon Musk's baby. It's under night in hyphen birth. I ignored the hyphen. And then it's EXE. Like ex- like executable. You know whatever. But I was like, do you say EXE? Every letter? Do you say EX? Is it just X? I don't know what, how they wanted us to say it. Colon. Never know what to do with that. Late. Bracket, fuck you. C L hyphen R, bracket. They wrote this title in code. I don't. I don't speak programmer. Do you guys know what this says? No. Um. It's one of those weird. It was one of those I weird love Japanese game titles. You know, I like, love weird Japanese game titles. Grand Blue Fantasy over two days. Yeah. yeah. Mobile Suit Gundam Extreme versus Maxi Boost has a logo that is death metal band levels of indecipherable i defined a text list of what the game was called so i was like okay let's see the logo for this game mobile suit gundam nailed it and then i swear to god let me pull up the logo i'm maybe talking out of my ass i swear to god the logo was like ex and then the word extreme so I was like, EX Extreme? Mm, that checks out for like, a, you know what I mean? Like, that checks out. Is that too crazy to be a Japanese fighting game name? No, it's not. Nothing is. I love it's that you went through this because right before we started recording, as we were waiting for you to uh, hold back the curtain and take out your dog for a walk, I was sitting there looking at my PlayStation 5 profile and just rating the icons of all the games. Yeah. was like, oh, that's a bad icon. That's a good icon. That's a media icon. And the Maxi Boost. Lobosu Gundam Extreme versus Maximus. Uh, icon is both bad and good. Oh, it's like I said, it's death metal band because it's yes. both bad and good. Because it's I have it in front of me now. It's Mobile Suit Gundam. Nailed it. And then it's EX in giant letters. And then a little trim in the middle. And then versus. So it looks like EX versus. And then you got to like zoom in. To see the trim, it almost just looks like a hyphen, which again, EX hyphen versus is a very Japanese fighting game name. And then there's Maxi Boost with me still, but then under it, it has either O N O slash V, or maybe you ignore the slash and it's on or va of. I don't know, but that's not part of the name, so I don't know what it is, but it's part of the logo. It looks like it's part of the name. It looks like the name is Mortal Suit Gundam X Trim versus Maxi Boost On. So, the the explanation that's not going to answer all your questions is that this is a crossover game, and that's the that's the blending of the names of two different series, which makes it confusing. The Undernight it's a little bit different. There's Undernight Inbirth, Exe Late, and there's Undernight Inbirth. In the, so the, the there's always a hyphen words letters thing. So the community just calls it Uniclear. And that's, clear. Oh, that's cute. The interesting thing about Evo this year, there are good and bad things associated with this. Um, there, there's, a, there's, a, there's money for all games. There's guaranteed money for all games, which wasn't always the case. Now, all the games that are in Evo's official list would have had guaranteed 
pools because they have developer support. But not all games that make it to the evil final like main list has developer support. So this is probably one of the first years, if not the first year, that there's like lots of money behind all the games. Like from jump, not not funded by people entering the tournament and going to the pot. The weird news and the sad news is a couple things. It all centers around the side tournaments and the games that are not been There's announced. W- one question I have for you, and I'm interested to see if you're going to touch on it before I ask. Sure. Uh, first, I'll talk about the side tournaments. This is good and bad news. Side tournaments, there's le- there's not a lot of games. That's bad news. In the last live Evo, there were like dozens. There's like 30 side games. Yeah. But that was too many, but it did mean that like a ton of communities got to shine. Like we got to see Evo Grand Finals for the Sailor Moon fighting game for the Super Nintendo. It was great. Sailor Venus is very cheap. I have come to learn. Um, we but, all know that. But she's well, a, yeah. Uh, Sailor V is an OC. Like a Mary Sue at her finest. But the, the sad part about this for me is that two of these are new games. That like usually side tournaments go for you know older games that have like less of a dedicated community or something but Grand Blue Fantasy Versus and Soul Calibur 6 are new games that just the pandemic and having to be online kind of messed up their community. They they launched and these games do not have great online play. They just they just don't. So I mean, the community would have been yeah, it would have been fueled by in-person tournaments which wasn't a thing. And that's the same for Grand Blue Grand Blue Fantasy Versus, a game that I love that I don't play because the online's really bad. And it came out last year in March. Just like I played it at a at a venue one week, and then the next week was the pandemic and lockdown. And that was it. So those are the two sad things about that. The other sad thing is um we don't see Smash yet. And that was my question. I was what do you think this means? What is where does Smash go from here? This is the largest like fighting game tournament there is. And like, do you think they're gonna come back? With all of the shit that's been happening in the Smash scene, like what happens with the Smash scene in general? Like, do they just purge and start over, or what, what's what's what, what's happening with Smash, the okay, fighting that, game community that never was supposed to be? Okay, there's a couple answers to those questions. So, Smash may or may not ever be at Evo again, depending on the future of Evo. But we, it's very unclear what the future of Evo is. Smash Ultimate will never be at an online Evo. That's what I think because Smash Ultimate online play is pretty bad, and it. Evo has kind of a reputation to upstand now, to uphold now that it's connected to PlayStation. So with the online play being that bad for that game, it'll be horrible. Like it'll just be a horrible entertainment game. It'll be horrible for people to watch that. Mm-hmm. Compared to the other games here that some have not great online play, but not nothing as bad as Smash. Four, uh, Melee will never be at Evo again. That's not a game I'll even yeah no, really no. bring up, but. It's worth talking about because there's a strong community. The Smash community is going to be fine, though. Like, Evo was the biggest fighting game tournament, but it, was, it wasn't it was the biggest Smash tournament. It was at the time. And then later, Smash has such a strong, dedicated, like, solo scene that their their tournaments can easily trounce the numbers of entrants that it would get at Evo. I think it's more of a loss for Evo than it is for the Smash community because Smash often, near the end, had the most uh, viewers. And the people most entrance because people, people love Smash. Smash. The as far as the purging, and the everyone purging thinks they're the best Smash player. Not everyone yeah. like can walk in and be like, "Yeah, I'm going to beat Sonic Fox at fucking Street Fighter or whatever." You know, no, I'm the best Mortal Kombat player. You ain't got shit on me, but 
everybody's like, no, you don't understand. My, yeah, my Kirby, though? My Kirby? Ridiculous, it, yeah. Everyone has that. Yes. Uh, the purging of the Smash community has for sure happened. There are tons of bans and updates on bans and people trying to appeal bans. Yeah. After we got learned. Uh, that, that's a thing that's happened where interesting is a weird word to use, but like tournaments are starting up again for Smash. Like even in person. There was the first in person like major tournament this past weekend. And I am interested to see what seeding looks like for those tournaments because if you look at the top 10 players the last time there was in person tournaments, like half of them are now banned. It's like a, a, a large amount of players uh, either just stopped playing because of the online play or like were terrible people or did people that did terrible things that ended up getting uh, banned from the community. So it's, it's still very much alive and the tournament scene will probably be fine. But like the status of like the competitive side of the community is still kind of up in the air because it was put on pause and had some subtractions in the last year and a half. Did anybody, we didn't, no one said new Smash character for Nintendo Direct previews, but do you think we're getting a new Smash character? Aren't there two left? There's two left, yeah. Yeah, I didn't say it because I just, I just thought that was a gimme. Right, there's so many, I don't know, all, I don't know, I, I don't play Smash like that. I like PvE, not PvP. Um, <laughs> I like co-op. But Smash does have that. I know, not any of the people I've lived with. Uh, well, the number of Smash tournaments I've hosted, but and I love hosting tournaments. That's the thing is I love competitive Smash. I just don't play it, so like I haven't really checked in with anyone. There's it feels like there's been nine million characters. There's a new one that comes out every three weeks. Um, everyone is always angry. All the time, everyone's angry about everything. No one's allowed to be happy. Um, oh boy, there are I don't playable characters right there now. There are so many different. characters in Smash at this point that we're running out of Dreamcasts. Like, the closest thing we have to do Dreamcast right now is Sora. That's, like, the only one left of the, oh, wouldn't it be crazy ifs that aren't in the fucking game. We have Sonic, we have Cloud, we have Sephiroth, we have Hero from Dragon Quest, we have every Fire Emblem character, we have fucking, like, Minecraft Steve, we have everything you could, every joke, we have Ridley, we have Banjo-Kazooie. I mean, Sephiroth. Yeah, right, Cloud and Sephiroth were, like, the big two, like, you could always count on them never being in, so you could make that, you know, evergreen prediction. We're running out of evergreen predictions. Duke Nukem Forever came out, The Last Guardian came out. We're, I'm clouds and smash. We're running out of joke E three predictions because they've happened. Half Life three already happened too. We're not, we're not calling it Half Life three, but it happened. It happened. It's true. true. The thing the thing I like about Smash, I uh, think, is that like sometimes it's trolls and sometimes it's not. Like I really love the Sephiroth announcement because every Smash announcement is like, oh my god, I got invited to Smash, and Sephiroth's love for Cloud is so strong that he just slashed his way into the game and yeah, wasn't like, invited. You invited Cloud and not me? Well, where Cloud goes, I go. Stab. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, people still want Master Chief. Um, that's like the last like, oh, Dreamcast. Yeah, yeah Master I, Chief I, too. I, I just, I'm mad I said Dreamcast. It's the mess. Dream announcement. I don't. I will not. I said Dreamcast too, and I was like, I want to make a really big. Like, I tried really hard to emphasize the pause. I was like, Dream cast. I don't know what other word to use, but I don't want to say Dreamcast because Dreamcast. You know, like, yeah. Um, but hey, we got more new- good news coming. Playdate's a thing that exists or will exist. 
I saw Playdate as an announcement on Twitter and thought it was someone's like E three conference under a name like that I forgot was gonna be called Playdate until I got to them talking about the price being $179. And then I went, Oh, I have no idea what Playdate is. So you were half right in that they were announcing their direct, their equivalent to the Playdate. Like, hey, we're gonna have Playdate direct, we're gonna give you more information on Playdate. Playdate is a new handheld indie console meant specifically like that's like front loaded with uh i think a dozen or two dozen indie games made specifically for that by small indie developers uh that was supposed to come out last year i believe um and then it got pushed back due to the pandemic it has some i'd be remiss in that did i use that word right to, it'd be bad if I didn't mention the fact that there was controversy around uh, Playdate because there was a small indie uh, games event called Playdate where they uh, playfully but like kind of, hmm, we got lawyers, uh, tell them to change their name. So they playfully suggested they change their name and there was a little bit of controversy and it all ended up kind of getting squashed like uh, publicly, like kind of amicably, but that was the thing that happened. Um, also, disclosure, when I was developing We Should Talk, I was in the presence of like a solid 10 people making play date games around me. Uh, so I have some connection to people that made that was developing for play date. And um, in play Date's announcement tweet, the Twitter account for among us uh, responded, Oh, I'm so excited. And they responded, see you there. Maybe among us on this cute little handheld. Is this connected to the internet? I mean, oh, I can I... play Among Us on my phone, so I guess I don't really know why I would need that, except I like to check Twitter and play at the same time. Hmm. It's cute. It looks like a little Game Boy, but then it's got, like, a weird silver thing sticking out the side. It's got a crank. Know. You can, like... Oh, this the... is the crank handheld thing! Yeah. I have heard about a crank handheld. Why the fuck is it crank? Why? <laughs> Why? Because hipsters? Because just because hipsters is it hipsters all the way down like bananas? What the fuck? Why? It is, is it made crank? in Portland, Oregon. So yes, it's of hipsters course. all the way down. Okay, yeah. it's you. Ha- okay, it's made in Portland. Everything is clicking into place. Uh, the indie, the in most of the indie video game scene. I'm talking about the not triple I. The rest of it, most of it's hipster stuff. I, I would I would say it's it's so hipstery. In like in like mostly the best way. Your game is one step up for being in a hipster coffee shop because it's in a hipster bar. Yes. So like, <laughs> enough said, I guess. Not to prove your point, but we should talk takes place in a bar that I want to go to. That's how I know it's a hipster bar. Like you play, we should talk. You're like, I wish I could go to this bar. The lighting's cool. The bartender's friendly. This, the drinks have cool names. Like I don't know. Whenever you visit New York, I will show you the a couple of the bars used to inspire. We should talk. Because a lot of them are, look really close to what happened in there. Exciting. Ooh, I love that. Okay. But yeah, play. Okay, this is the crank. I cannot believe this is the fucking crank thing. Why does it have to? It, you, is there another way? Do I have to hand crank it in public? Some games flight? don't use the crank. No. Some games oh, use I the crank. Oh, I thought you cranked it don't. to charge it, like turning on old cars. You had to crank them. Oh, no. It's a. It's a I think out of. Or input. like flashlights. They have those forever flashlights. Don't use batteries, and you got to crank them. Is the I back of the Vita. I thought this was crank operated, you guys. It's not crank operated. <laughs> I, I, I thought the whole time this fucking. Oh. Oh, well, that's cool. 
Okay. That's not as dumb as you think you feel. It's okay. it's it, that is the assumption to be made when you put a crank on the back. They were the not clear about the crank. I saw them cranking it, and I was like, "You have to crank it like a flashlight." I don't want this. I don't want this 1923 <laughs> Ford. Like, what are we doing? It's like something okay. you see in a steampunk. You know, right? It was so steampunk. That's why I was like, "This is hipster as shit." It's a Game Boy with a crank power, like like the. I'm playing a lot of Fallout 4 still, so it's like those muskets, but they're laser muskets. You have to crank every shot. And it's like I'm shooting lasers, but I still have to crank each shot out. That's fine. I like the amount of times you've had to say the word crank in the last like five minutes. <laughs> Honestly, it's, just not, it's not a word people use often. I love crank too high voltage. I, I, mean, really, in, in, I don't think I ever yeah. saw the first one, but oh, I saw that in theaters. It was a great time. That's why I brought. That's why it I turned my like balding man fetish on. I think that was the the impetus. You should watch oh, the first one then. Jason Statham got that stubble on the sides, baby. <laughs> In the exact opposite of Jason Statham, you know, Scott the Waz, who was, you know, just like a friendly, you know, second string, uh, you know, picture the word gamer. You pictured Scott the Waz. Wait, no, picture his gamer, but he's, like, a nice guy. He get, you know, he, he, he gets friend-zoned a lot, but he wouldn't use the word friend-zone. You pictured Scott the Waz. Uh, Scott the Waz, more like Scott the Rape Apologist. I'm not going to use this guy's name. I've written this in a way that I don't have to because I don't even want to give them the publicity of you Googling them to see how they raped people. Because uh, it's enough that it's well-known and it's unnecessary. So, mega gaming YouTuber... Scott the Waz was under the microscope this week after releasing a new video in which he made the baffling choice to feature a well-documented and known-to-everyone rapist. He, This person raped their partner, and it was not a secret that came out after this video was released. It had already been disseminated so that people could be warned against this individual. And multiple people came forward after Scott the Waz's video came out with dms in which they were like hey just so you know scott the waz don't work with this guy he's a rapist dated well before any production could have started on this video so there is zero chance that he missed all of these multiple messages from his friends letting him know what type of person this is this is just a clear-cut case of despite multiple people coming forward with receipts that they made Scott aware of this person's reputation beforehand, the video still stands, and Scott has made zero public reference to the controversy. Like, a super cool dude. He hasn't apologized for using a rapist, hasn't explained why he decided he needed a rapist to help him with this video. He just has moved on like it never happened, because he knows the best way to handle internet controversy. TBH. If you really are like, I'm a white dude, I'm going to get away with this, just ignore it. You know it'll go away. Like, Lindsay Ellis running away after 20 minutes of controversy, it's like, you're a white girl on Twitter with stands. All you have to do is nothing. That's why really bad apologies are so fucking embarrassing. So it's like, if you were going to be this, like, not actually listening and not actually trying to apologize, just shut the fuck up like Scott the Waz. Like, own it. Own it. So that's what he's doing. He's like, yep, worked with a rapist. Not even gonna, not even gonna justify it. The thing that first makes me first frustrates me about this even more is that um, there are other people featured in that video whom 
uh, it's also been said, like, just had, had no idea that this other person was being featured. So, like, now they're, like, they have content into, in the world where they're associated with this other person as well. It's, like... Imagine accidentally being, being co-creators with Dahmer and having no idea. Like, you're, you're in a book of art anthology, and then it's, like, of college students, and the first six ones are all Hitler. But they didn't tell you that beforehand. I think that that's like brings up something that I think is really super important. People don't disclose like if you're doing podcasts or something or like doing especially with like how content is made right now with the pandemic, like lots of people film their own stuff and then send it in and like an editor edits together. You suck if you don't give a full list of people who are going to be involved in the project. Like yep. I don't care who you think like what leak you think is going to happen whatever or we're like, all friends or it doesn't it's matter fine no you that's just working bullshit. together do that. they just happen to share a video it's like yeah they're sharing a video that means they're working together that means they're they are their platforms are commingling don't mix me in with audio with colin moriarty like we're like fucking helping you both out with your video because if you wanted if you had told me beforehand you were going to him for help i'd be like well then i'm not helping you <laughs> it's that easy you didn't give me the choice it's like those, uh, there's these amazing flat earth videos and things like that that get Richard Dawkins and other famous people that know the earth's not flat. And they take really, really, like, they lie to them about what the interview is going to be about. First off, they'll say they're making a documentary and then completely lie about what the documentary is about. And then ask really bizarre questions and get a bunch of out of context stuff. And then just show Dawkins talking without the questions and be like, look, see, he said, I agree with you. I mean, you didn't hear the question, and I put it after him saying the earth is flat. Don't you agree? But he said it. It's on my documentary. This documentary was approved by Richard Dawkins. Like, that happens all the time. It's funny as shit. Ray Comfort loves doing stuff like that. It's hysterical. The man's a nutcase. They're all just terrified of mortality. But that's not okay. Like, that's, that's, that's fucked up. That's fucked up. Tell people. Don't work with rapists. Like, just God, it's not hard. There's so many other people in the world. Anyways, happy Pride. For a solid week into June. And the fun has already started. Injustice 2 Mobile, a game that still exists, decided to celebrate Pride by creating challenges where you beat up all of the LGBT villains. Because nothing says Pride like actual queer bashing. Not to be outdone, we are influenced by our investors in China, Riot Games, decided to give out Pride emotes in League of Legends for some easy corporate Pride points. When a French player tweeted at Riot Support asking for the emotes they unlocked to be removed because he didn't mean to put that gay shit on his account, they acquiesced cheerfully and it became public that lots of little homophobes had made similar requests that were granted since the emotes became available. So, you know, make sure people have the option to say that gay people are people, but when they come to you and say, actually, I think not, be like, oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, go ahead. We'll, we'll, get, it. we'll get all those rainbows off your account. Please continue playing our multiplayer game with other people in voice chat. Isn't that like just like a giant red flag? Like, please, no. Like, like to, so to Injustice 2's credit, like this, this was a, a case where they immediately got hit with blowback and took it down, and were like, "Sorry, we were just like, oh yeah, beat up Poison Ivy for points and stuff, and we didn't really think about like, oh, beat up queer people for pride. Fuck, like it just, we did not connect those dots. It's embarrassing, and we're taking flat, but we took it down. We made a stance saying we're constantly listening." And we did listen, and we didn't mean to normalize it, and we understand that's what we did. And to their, to their credit, they did point, post a statement and take it down right away. But it's fucking hysterical that you know everyone in the room making Injustice 2 mobile are like, hey, can you, 
can you fuck up all the gay characters for Pride? And everyone was like, that's a great Pride idea. Fuck yeah. Pride. Because it was literally titled the Pride Global Challenge. It's not like it just was bad timing where it happened to be gay characters and it happened to be the beginning of June. It was specifically hashtag Pride. Hashtag INJ2 Mobile. Pride Global Challenge. Amazing. So that one was one of those just like, I don't want to say harmless, but just like, great indicative of what happens when you don't have real diversity in your culture in your workplace how fucking embarrassing it is for you like this is just this is just embarrassing for you and it was so easy to avoid if your workplace had you know more queer people willing to tell you that stuff is bad or in places to even be able to do so like that's all you have to learn it's like oh shit we need to have more gay people in the room when we're doing this shit that's what they should learn from this. And if they don't, they'll continue to be embarrassed. It's just a good, old-fashioned, easy public shaming. And the fact they listened was great. Cool. People say apologies are impossible. Well, here's me on TV going, you know what? I really liked this apology. thought it was, you know, it was short, It was, but it, it said exactly what it needed to say. That we recognized this was insensitive and inappropriate. Real-life violence against the community and women within that community in particular is all too common, and we should actively engage in efforts to end violence, not normalize it. We apologize, but especially to LGBTQIA members, you're committed to listening, doing better. It's a good fucking apology, and they took all that shit down. That's it. They do it again. Now it's your second strike, so we're going to have some issues. But this is how you do a fucking apology. Quick, repentant, listing what you did and the ramifications and how you're going to fix it. It clearly shows that you're listening. Versus Riot just being like, oh, we're so sorry we accidentally made your game gay. We'll get that right out of there for you. Please continue playing. A tale of two corporate pride launches to the fullest extent. You can fuck up in different directions. And I think that one is a little bit more funny than the other. Because again, it's just like, cool, you did a good job. It has a more happy ending, I guess. What a start. What a start to pride. Much more harmless internet bullshit. Insomniac Studios sent everyone into a tizzy Monday when the Russian Clank account started interacting with the long-dormant mascot of Sunset Overdrive, Fizzy. As of recording, it appears to just be a cross-promotional marketing stunt, but if Sunset Overdrive gets announced for PS5 during E3, they're not allowed to be shocked when we aren't shocked. They sent us into a Fizzy tizzy, you guys. I didn't understand that that many people like Sunset Overdrive. Like I didn't as someone either. who loves Sunset Overdrive, just because I think, like, Insomniac really, like, just had had it with all of the like triple a like game critique and like stuff that had happened with their oh what was that gray shooter that they made before this game the one i'm thinking of is fuse yeah that was the game <laughs> it was something they did for ea and like when you first saw it, it looked like it was like a kind of interesting shooter and then by the time it came out it was a 360 beige shooter and really boring and hated it was, it. It was really then, generic wasn't it yeah, that was the main criticism that was the whole thing was that like they stripped any any like thing that looked entertaining from that first like thing they showed you there's like a bunch of side quests where they kind of like rip into that part of the games industry in sunset overdrive which i just is, like i appreciate that they're like we're gonna make this really colorful crazy mechanic and then I was scrolling through the Insomniac Games Wikipedia page, and I was scrolling and scrolling, and then it was a picture of Mark Cerny. The caption says Mark Cerny gave advice on multiple Insomniac games. But I was scrolling, and I was like, oh, God, what's Mark Cerny doing here? No, get him out of here. And then I read the caption, and I was like, oh, God, why? No. And I just became Michael Scott for a second. I was like, please stop. Stop. Go make Knack. What are you doing? I didn't know, uh... 
I didn't know Sunset Overdrive. I didn't know Insomniac had the rights to Sunset Overdrive to be using it in cross in like marketing stuff. I didn't either. That's what everyone said. They were like, um, "Were we not talking in an earlier we just episode talked about?" about... This. Yeah. Right, we thank just you so much. The entire time I've been like, I was in the Discord. Where I was like, somebody talked about Sunset Overdrive coming to PlayStation. Right. I mean, it was Zyger. Zyger doesn't think it's coming. I do. Okay, I think they. I think it's a even if they own. I think Sun. I think how it works is that they published the first game and paid for the development of the first game, but Insomniac owns the IP because there were like that was the other thing that came out of the fuse. That was the other thing that came out of the fuse thing was that like EA was the one that like forced them to do all kinds of stuff they didn't want to do, and so like they've tried to get a better deal with Microsoft for Sunset Overdrive, and so I think that that's a thing that money can can clear up like yeah it does say however as the rights to the intellectual property is wholly owned by insomniac they need to find a new publishing partner because microsoft isn't interested and that was before they got bought and then it was like they're they were bought and sean Layden said that uh sunset of rap 2 wasn't a priority but then a trademark was registered may 1st may 4th 2021 and that's when the hype for sunset overdrive started building and now they're they're doing this um, oh, 11 days later, they were quoted as saying, nothing is stopping the studio developing a sequel to the game. And they expressed interest in returning to the series. So yeah, I feel like this is going to be like a Demon Souls, Dark Souls thing, where Demon Souls is the Sunset Overdrive, and either this is... But they own the IP, so they don't have to fucking fake it, you know what I mean? They don't have to remake the game. They can just... Well, I guess it's more of a Mass Effect thing. Back to them again. Like, okay, cool, this was popular, but you don't want to keep going? Okay, well, then we're just going to do it on everything. You know what that leads us into? The quality assurance. What? It's time for the quality assurance. Quality assurance this week. We're getting we're getting the, the nitty gritty. We're gonna be talking about E3. And last week we did our alpha instead of a quality assurance. So we're not gonna be, you know, the alpha was all about E3 predictions. We didn't really get a chance to talk about E3 as an event, though. It was all about like the the news itself. And so today we're gonna be taking a little bit of time talking about E3, <laughs> how did we get here? So I'm going to start off with just a little bit of information about what E3 2021 looks like. And then we're going we're gonna to figure out how a long weekend trip once a year for niche tech journalists has brought us here. So the first thing with E3 2021 is last week, we didn't know when 70% of the events were scheduled for this event that starts June 13th, 11th. June 11th? Fuck me. I'm already. It starts off the 12th. E3 starts on the 12th. Summer's Games Fest starts on the 10th. The 10th. So we're going to say E3 starts on the 10th now because that's what this is becoming. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? So all of these announcements and all this shit starts on the 10th. Um, E3 still does not have dates and times for some of its presentations. And some of them have dates, but no times or like vague times. We are the week of the show now. Like we are, this is the week leading up to, we're three days out. It's fine. It's great. Everything's cool. By the way, EA, don't forget, it's not until the end of July. By the way, we got events at the beginning of April that are announced. By the way, we've got, you know, what did Spencer just say? Summer Games bullshit starting on the 10th. We have events all summer. And summer is just fading quickly into fall because we already have fall events. We've already always had, you know, GDC and and 
I always forget that. Gamescom. 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 I was just about to say, I always forget the European one. Uh, right in August. So. Yeah, Gamescom's already in August, so now we're just like getting in. Er- now we've gone all of June, all of July, and now they're trying to. Di- now we've dipped into early August, which means there's no break. There used to be a break. It used to be E3, and then you had to like recover from E3 and gear up for Gamescom and Tokyo Game Show, and then you were off for the holidays, and that was the life of a tech journalist. And now E3 of news is starting the 10th, lasting of June. Lasting through August into September. Then November is when all of the new games drop. So that's when everyone's up all night cramming to review games they get maybe a week early that are multiplayer huge games. It's fine. Everyone's doing fine. IGN doesn't need to unionize. They still haven't gotten a response back from corporate about their editorial authority. But everything's good and great and fine. Oh, and don't worry. We've already started the leaks. That's right. Despite the fact that E3 is 20 years long now, there are still a slew of announcements coming out before it technically starts. Crisis Trilogy Remaster has already been revealed. Zyger's not here this week, but for the record, um, he was very clear that that was one of his predictions. He was torn between that one and another one, and he went with the other one, which makes him a fool and an idiot, and he gets zero points. May God have mercy on his soul. Uh, Now, they tell us... Prince of Persia, Saints Row, all of them aren't going to be making any appearances at E3, but I predicted Saints Row 4, so I'm going to assume that's a red herring. You don't know shit. Uh, Crystal Dynamics has already, like, wanted to set the bar very low and let us know that they will be doing Avengers shit. They just, you know, they really want Avengers to happen, and by golly, they're going to do it. So don't get too excited. Don't expect Tomb Raider. It's Avengers shit. Um, And then... Zyger compliment open face sandwich. Uh, Rainbow Six Quarantine, he did accurately predict get, got a name change. It is now Rainbow Six Extraction because, of course, it is. It's never gonna, it was never gonna be called Rainbow Six Quarantine. Are you out of your mind? Now, with all those, so with all those announcements leaking, the date that E3 starts, you know, we were June 12th is when E3, or June 11th is when E3 technically starts. But JK, June 10th is when the first news events start. Because they're too cool to be at E3, but they're going to do it at the same time. But JK, we already have had leaks galore the last like week and a half before E3. So basically, journalists never get to sleep. Uh, but it's okay, because E3 has decided that they've learned nothing from last year's online fiascos, where they leaked everybody who applied as a journalist's personal information. They've doubled down and created their like weird ersatz Facebook like, I don't know, it's this I'm not cool enough and I'm not going to try to apply to create, like, an E3 account where you make an avatar that's this horrific, empty-eyed monster of an avatar. It just, I cannot believe it wasn't intentionally made to be creepy. They're so bad. The UI is so terrible that it's impossible to distinguish who you're following versus who you're not or why you need to be following people in this E3 social media network that cre- that exists for no fucking reason. The, the entire thing is very reminiscent if you've ever been to like PSX when those happened or PAXs where the 
there'll be like an app you can download and then different booths will have a thing you can scan. And, Oh, if you do, you know, if you play the demo and they scan your thing, you know, and you, and you do at least 10 demos, you get points and the points can be rewarded for like PlayStation avatars and themes, shit like that. That's what E3. Yeah. That's what E3 has become. So if you loved that, which I've never met anybody who did, I was like, Oh, I want to try this. When I first started going to cons for the first two years, I tried it at every single con. And even, like, there's no cell phone reception in conventions. So they really want you to use this fucking app. And then it never fucking works because everyone's trying to use it. And so everyone's already just overloading the networks. And there's no signal. And it's just hell. It's just waiting and loading and frustration and hell. They want you to sign up for, like, VR headset slots and shit with this app. And again, there's no signal. And the app doesn't work. And it's just hell. So they've brought that to the E3 experience for you. Uh, The E3 portals... The, the reward for creating this horrible avatar and trusting them with all of your personal information again is you get to complete little tasks, little goals. Like, oh, you know, go play, you know, this demo six times or, you know, go read our news article or whatever the fuck. Unfortunately, whoever designed the UI for the tasks didn't think to link whose game went with what task so you'll have a task that's like play our demo for at least 15 minutes and that's all it says there's no link to what game it is there's 90 games in e3 literally i'm not kidding i'm not fucking kidding you people are posting screenshots of their thing where it just it just says like okay you know if you watch two of our videos and it just says our videos that's it and they're all just in a pile of 355 tasks it's hysterically bad it's a fucking joke I feel like they're personally trying to, like, murder me because it's, like, we're going to fuck up every events thing we could possibly do. Like, even, like, the easy stuff. And then, like, even also, the like, let's, let's just make horrible iOS apps and other UI stuff that I'm just, like, I, I can't look at this. I can't it's do this. Horrible. Why are you attacking the E3? Stop. And I get the argument that – so people were upset about E3 in the past, and that's why, like, Jeff Keighley made his own E3 with Blackjack and Hookers. So now you have Jeff Keighley promoting the hell out of his multi-day events on Twitch because they're going to do their own E3 thing. And you have the Ubisoft Direct and the Nintendo Direct. Everyone's got their own Direct. Half of them are part of E3 and half of them aren't. But most they all have to have their own cute little names. It can't just be my E3 presentation anymore. And, I don't know, the argument from journalists was always, you know, it's tons of work and you get no sleep because you're up all night doing hella fucking crunch. And it's like you have to live a day in the life of a game dev's shoes and we can't have that. You know, like for one weekend a year, you had to just work your ass off and not sleep and it was miserable and horrible. And so now instead, what we've created is every single developer, no matter how, it's like, it's like how we all hated cable because it was really expensive and annoying and they seemed evil. And so now we have n- 9 billion apps that you all have to pay for separately for each individual cable channel. It's It feels like that. It feels like everybody hated E3 and went bitch and bitch and hope it got canceled and I never understood it then. And I double don't understand it now where there are an infinite amount of events to follow. There's no centralized planning there's like this is what the world looks like if the libertarians win this is what happens when you have no centralized organizing power and hierarchy and structure and it's just a million little fiefdoms vying for attention from the masses it 
there are people tweeting out like, yeah, I used to have like 14 meetings like scheduled for E3 before, you know, I even had my plane ticket bought and I'm a week before the show and I only have one meeting scheduled. I don't even know when half the announcements are happening yet. And it's like, do you think that's better? Was that that seems worse to me in every possible way because you're still going to have those meetings. You just don't get to know when they are and they'll be way spread out over the course of months. But at a minute's notice, it's like trading a kind of shitty schedule for shift work. I worked shift work for five years. I would take any schedule on the planet that wasn't shift work. It is hell. It is just being my like I have nurse friends. God bless them. Just being on call all the time. That's exhausting to me. Just having to, it's like being on edge. God help anybody with anxiety in the games industry, which ha ha ha, it's the games industry. Everyone has fucking anxiety. You have to be on call all the time. News drops at 12 p.m. Pacific time on a Wednesday and you need that scoop. Like it's just, it's going to be so unbearable and untenable and there's no unionizing and there's no one like this is just spiraling out of control. It feels like we're in a goddamn death spiral of news. I love E3. And by I love E3, I mean I love the concept of E3. I love the idea of E3 happens for a weekend in June. And if your announcements aren't ready for then, then your announcements don't happen until August for Gamescom. And if you're still running late and you're delayed, then you maybe you can show up at the Tokyo Game Show. And if not, it's the holidays and there's no reason to rush because there's no more conferences until the next E3 in June. And it was easy to plan around and yeah, it involved flying to Germany and flying to Tokyo once a year. But goddamn, there was like two weeks like the week of e3 the week after and before you know can be kind of crazy so you got like three weeks three times a year that are hectic instead of this which so far is four straight months of never know when it's coming news dumps how is this better you and it's just a news jump usually that's just like here's a video or a link to an article so there's no way for journalists to ask questions or get real feedback or be hands-on like it's just a hot fucking mess I mean, it's a hot mess from the vendor side too. So, um, I have a couple friends. I would imagine in the PR right? industry who are just like, because there's no centralized emails. thing. There's nowhere to go. What do you do? Yeah, we get emails that'll be like, yeah, you could do your event on this day, and then they'd be like, okay, so like we're gonna try to do it this day. Do you have like times for us? And then they get someone who would say, no, 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 you can't do your event that day. Like that's to like to whatever. Like do with it. Like they're just not like there doesn't seem to be anyone who knows what's going on and like i went through and looked all through the logos of who is like the sponsors for it and whatever there is no event planning low like company logo that i can recognize and then like i went and tried to search a bunch of the ones i didn't know and none of those seem to be event planning so i don't know if the, like the esa is just like we're doing this ourselves because it's online and really last time we planner. had the last time we had an event planner, they quit because we leaked everybody's information we think is the reason. And and that's I, why I love the fact that it's like, you know, I have you two on this podcast because I have two questions I'd like to present to you guys and then like have at it. Uh, one, Jordan, I know you fucking hate E3. And so my question to you is, what is it that you don't like about E3? What is it that you disagree with my assessment? Is it E3 itself or is it the concept? Like, conceptually, you don't like it? Like, and what would you have in place of it? And then I'd also like to hear, and I feel like Spencer probably knows more of this, but you guys both, you know, you guys both know everything. So, again, have that at both of you. Um, you know and especially because, like, Spencer, I'm sure you had your own qualms about E3 
as an event that has exists in reality. I don't. I love E3. Okay. Well, I mean, which which type of E3 is my question? Because it's the changed old E3. a couple times, right? Like the old E3, the old like not even the one I think people are thinking of. I liked the first time they started letting people come to E3. when Mega Tokyo existed, huh? I said E for all. E for all. Yeah, it was like whatever G four was like really big. Right, I was gonna say uh, that was like would... early, or I'm sorry, like late 2000s, not 2010s ish, is what I'm yeah. thinking. Where like people could go like before they closed it off, and it was like, wait, people can't go anymore. But like my dream was always to like, okay. Um. So yeah, my question to you, Jordan, is what is it that you don't like about E3, and what would you have? It? I'm hoping, I'm hoping you're not like I love this clusterfuck. Because in which case, I have more questions. But if you don't like E3, you don't like this clusterfuck. What would you have as I... a de- as a developer? What's what what helps you that you haven't had yet? There's a version of this clusterfuck that I would like, just not the version that we have. Is my like quick answer to that. What I don't, I don't like, like quick about, answer. What I don't like about E3 is that like what has become before now, before the every it's always E3. Like let's say four years ago, mm-hmm. that that version of E3 it's supposed to be like the big games from the big developers are announced here, and the big games from like the medium big size developers more or less get announced here. But because there's like a whatever whatever system or console is like losing like likes to pad with indies and like play nice with indies to like get brownie points around that time it kind of like creates this like this lottery system that i hate it's there's no real clear way to get involved with that some publishers can get like a thing that they're always trying to get for like really small indie publishers and they get featured and as a part of getting featured small indie games gets there and like it just creates like a disparity in like some people get when laundry is super great for them and all the, everybody else is like, well, I don't know how to do that. No one else knows how to do that. And it kind of sucks. The good, a good version of this would be not clinging to E3. What we have now, the clusterfuck is like, we're not going to be a part of E3, but we're still going to hover around E3. Because that's what, if we, if there were like multiple events that were established and like had a long, long-term planning, that'd be different. It started with like Nintendo with the Direct and that was like the first step of like, People being like, eh. and I predicted this all. I predicted what's happening now when Nintendo first did that, and that's why I've always been upset with Nintendo Directs and why I didn't start watching them until recently. What I like about Nintendo Directs is that they are often planned. I mean, not recently, but they have. Been, there have been times where they have been planned far in advance. And a big problem with the clusterfuck now is be like a week before, a week before the event happens. Like, by the way, we got a PlayStation. What do they call their shit? State of Play. We got a state of play next week. And when that happens and it's like the Wild West and everybody's just kind of priming in, when you get to E3 time, there are people that are not a part of E3, but now anyone can like kind of create their own little showcase in that greater E3 window that contributes to the clusterfuck that gets more people and even small indie devs seen because it's around the E3 sphere, but it kind of, it contributes to the giant clusterfuck. Jordan, I'm really confused because if I understand what you're saying... I want us to... Well, I'm, I'm really confused if I understand what you're saying. I think you want something that's impossible. Because if I understand what you're saying, your problem with E3 is that it kind of ignores indies, except for the like select few that are able to kind of break through to somehow please the PlayStation gods or Xbox gods, whichever one is looking for indies to pad their lining with. And it's really hard to tell like what's going to hit and what's going to get to be on those showcases. And being on that showcase makes a huge difference. And so you'd really like to have like a larger showcase for indies. Is that? Let me just start there. Is that correct? Partially. Because my my concern is like my concern is that 
I don't give a fuck about indie showcases. I don't give a fuck about the part of D3, but I'll watch it because it's nestled and all the stuff I do care about. And now we're in a situation where E3s can't like, or, or the indies can't attach themselves to giant E3 showcases because they don't like the more fractured it gets, the less people that we're going to, the less people indies are going to expose themselves to because I'm never going to watch an indie showcase. I was never going to, and the only way Indies were ever going to get to me, it was through E3. And the more spread out E3 gets, where E3 becomes a thing that doesn't exist, and it's just there's there's showcases that happen from various developers or publishers or whatever, and they happen anytime. I'm never, I'm only going to watch the Sony ones, and maybe a Square Enix one. So I just, and I feel like I'm, the reason that you win the lot, like, the benefits of E3 for indie games was all of the people that don't seek out indies getting exposed to indies and being like, oh, maybe I actually will play that. And if you take away, like, the people that were never going to get exposed to indies anywhere else but the giant E3 showcases are not going to watch these smaller showcases. Like me. That's personally. not who I want it for. That's not who I want it for. What I mean to say is this year showed that, like, those events can exist without being tethered to E3. And be and do like the wholesome directs. Can do well. they? I don't think they can. Well, the wholesome directs has have done well, and the games that have been in this wholesome directs have like done well as a result. And they have nothing to do with anything. It's like kind of an own independent thing. But that's that's only part of my problem with E3. The 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 way indies work. The my I don't like the giant hype cycle and how recently, even less recently, E3 even with the big games, it's like let me show you a thing that's three years out. So it's like I don't think it's that's building. an E3 thing though, because that's, that's just blah, 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 blah. that's not just E3 though, and that's not a thing that's going to change whether or not E3 exists. That's a problem with PR and hype cycles. Like, like I don't think that has anything to do with E3 because E3 hasn't functioned that way in two years, and we're still having that problem. Well, when I when smaller like with, like with small and Nintendo directs, right? There'll be a lot of games that'll be like far out, but like a lot of the games that they show in direct be like these are we're focusing on games that are coming out this year. And that's like like a consistent theme with most directs. Directs, Some... like when you say directs, you mean specific Nintendo directs specifically. Okay. Just making sure. Nintendo. Yeah, because a lot of people uh, are like like wholesome direct. Like a lot of people are doing like a blank direct. Like it's the Watergate. It's the blank gate of gaming now. Yeah, I not, think not like I... that, but like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what I like, what I dislike about E3 right now specifically, it has all the clusterfucks that you were talking about and feels not well planned at the same time. Yeah. And doesn't and doesn't get out to the people far enough in advance. So like yeah. when we were talking about our news about E3s, like still don't know when any of these things are happening. Lots of things that we just don't know about, but there's smaller like My concern was... is that there are so many things now that the problem isn't just there's no dates for anything. That's a hilariously bad like E3's falling apart and look at the bad planning example. Yeah. But my issue is that we have something on like we have something on the tenth, we have something on the eleventh, we have something on the twelfth, we have something on the thirteenth, the fourteenth, the fifteenth, we have something the end of June, we have something the end of July. Like we have so many things that if everything announced its dates right now, the calendar would be so full, no one's watching them all. But if you and they're and they're small things. If you put all of them on the same fucking three four day weekend that E three used to be, to me E three was perfect in like twenty fifteen to twenty eighteen. That was the fucking sweet spot of like huge big announcements and like it's available nows and here's some cool looking indie games on like those those were great E threes. But like twenty fourteen E three, oh you know like but. I don't understand how you can have everyone has their own little announcement and it's all spread out over the course of the entire year and keep the thing that made E3 matter. 
And that was, it was one centralized place to go to, so everyone went there. And so people were exposed to things that they might not otherwise. It's like the version, it's like we want to segregate gaming into, like, specific niches and developers. And the good thing about E3 is that, no, everyone intermingled. And if you were going to see, like, there was only three conferences, and it was everybody who was going to be on Xbox, you got to see all these different types of games. I sat through so many different fucking shooter games that I ended up playing Overwatch. Like, you know what I mean? Like... I never would have watched a trailer for an Overwatch game otherwise. Like, it just, I, I don't think you can have it where you get the benefit of exposing your content to new people if it's really, really spread out and everybody is a really niche conference. The only reason we got these big, like, from a, from a developer's perspective, the only reason you got, like, the really big, massive boost was because it was a really highly centralized event. And if it's not that highly centralized event, you're just you're gonna see smaller and smaller and smaller boobs. Yes, the wholesome directs I've heard of, which you know is is an achievement in itself. I've heard of them. I've chosen not to watch them because I'm like, oh, they're just gonna be a bunch of indie games. I don't know. I don't care. Uh, well, but that's me. For the but, people that don't care about indie games, even when E3's on. But I buy I buy indie games all the time. It's just that you have to get them to me a different way. They're, that's great. Like, I, uh, and I feel I, like that's really common, and that's the reason why some games hit the lottery. It's the difference between getting in front of enough people that decide to give it a try that wouldn't, and only being exposed to people in that indie sphere. And I feel like if you want to see an indie sphere, that's fine, but then I think we should have an E3, and we should have an indie direct, and that would solve the problem. And it would I, all be in June. That, I my, th- oh, sorry. I was going to say, I think the thing that I think is the most disappointing about this is that keely has the production value and the staff to make that happen and he chooses just to like sniff every triple a developer's butt through the whole fucking thing if jeff keely had i just i can't handle it with him yeah like he has so much power and it's so frustrating to watch him wield it in such a like let me just give power to more people who have like power like well i get he wants to play like shit that's what it is it's like like oh, i don't understand the more power i get the more peter Pettigrew i am about it like i don't know how to yeah. play it another way i mean there's that too but i i don't understand why he wants to play traffic cop like that feels like what he's doing right like that felt like what his role was last year was like everybody was running their like directs like indirectly through like summer games fest to be like oh is someone going on this day is someone not going on this day and yeah. it's like why are you using that power to like He's having, he's like built up all these relationships specifically with Twitch, which why aren't you just like, why isn't Summer Games Fest like once a week every month where you're like doing a whole week of streams on the front page of Twitch where you're like showing big title games and showing like that and doing things where indie games will get more chances for indie games will get put in there. I think he has like the golden opportunity to do it, but he just refuses to because he wants the Schick robot. The Razor Robot from like the Game Awards. Of a couple he's years like ago. he's a very much like he's a stereotypical gamer that just is in this position. Like everybody in the games industry is just kind of a gamer that that is in their various positions most of the time. Uh, and so Jeff is like, no, any other like cis white dude gamer is going to be like, no, I was a nerd in high school because I'm a because he's like older. You know, he's like Gen X when like nerds in high school got bullied. 
in my opinion. Like, by the time millennials went to high school, I don't know. My high schools didn't really have people getting bullied for being nerds. That wasn't a thing. All of the jocks were in all the AP classes. Like, it was cool to be smart. So I feel like we still have this generation of people that are old enough to be in leadership that got bullied for being a nerd and have that, like, deep desire for acceptance, whether it be from the cool kids in gaming or whether it be from the mainstream. Like, look, gaming is mainstream. We have the shit roboter. Like, look, I made it. All of the AAA guys that make the coolest games think i'm cool and will be on my show like yeah it's it comes in both of those flavors but it's coming from the same place of like i liked this hobby before it was mainstream accepted and so on this level i crave mainstream acceptance and that's just really common for a lot of people especially white men of that generation and older in my opinion of being around all the time that's my (laughs) my highly educated opinion I think all the big names. When I say big names, Keeley, I mean, I mean the major platform holders. Every time you guys say Keeley without saying Jeff Keeley, I think you guys are like trying to be mean to me by addressing me and saying my name wrong because I love pronouncing people's names wrong as a show of disrespect. So I'm like, God, just call me a cunt, but stop calling me Kylie. I can't deal. Like you know that? (laughs) Okay, Jessica, it's Jasmine. I've said it's Jasmine. I know Jessica. I don't respect you. Like that's what I do. I think I think I don't care about which Wiley says. Why I call him Josh. Joff, oh, Keeley. Everyone has the resources, like to, all the all the people who like the big mainstream has the have the resources to do what I want, like a version of what I want. Where like they have their own thing, and it's not all spread out in this middle of the year thing, and it's not tethered to the singular event. And people will still go to the PlayStation thing because it's the PlayStation thing, and the Xbox thing is excellent, and it won't fall, fix the indie problem, but it would like. Make it so I think I feel like you could have it, it both ways. Like I really feel like you could have your cake and eat it too. Because I would not I would change E three a bit. Because what I would have is E three where you have where E three is for the big boys and the like no offense, but that's how everything works. Everybody wants to be an actress, and the lucky cherry-picked few get to be a, a major star. And it's bullshit, and it's usually decided by luck and cha- fate and chance. And that's how everything is in life. Every single thing has that. Indie games aren't special in that regard. So yes, there is an, uh, there's a metric of luck of getting chosen to be in PlayStation Showcase and not the Indie Showcase. I will not fix that. I don't think it needs to be fixed. I disagree with you that that's a problem. I, I just that's not the solution that but, getting an indie show gets isn't the only solution that I but, want. Yeah, but for me, the solution would be to where you could have the benefit of getting those chosen few games that make it real big journey style. Another game I played that I wouldn't have even known about or considered playing if it wasn't at the PlayStation E3 event. You know, it, it, you could have those moments, but I would love if, again, like if Jeff Keighley had a Twitch indie showcase, mega showcase that was just five days and each day was like, because my problem with indie showcases, I'll explain myself instead of being a bitch about it to bully Jordan because Jordan likes to blame me. So I bully indie games as a way to bully Jordan. Uh, <laughs> but my thing with indie games is I don't like puzzle games. I don't want any puzzle games. And a lot of indie games are puzzle games. I don't want shooters ever. And so, like, most indie games aren't shooters. I really have that problem with indie games. But indie games tend to also be, and this is my big one, very arcadey. Like, arcade gamey. And then, you know, usually because of limitations that go around why it's an indie game. I don't like arcade games. I don't like platformers 2D or 3D because I have terrible depth perception. I don't like arcadey shooters like, even when it's Rezogun-style fancy, I don't care. It's, it's just that I don't like the shooter. I don't like playing Asteroid. I don't like playing Space Invaders. I don't want any of those types of games. So I don't like arcade games. I don't like shooters. I don't like racing games. Unless it's Mario Kart. 
I, I just don't like so many of the... Oh, I don't like roguelikes at all. I hate roguelikes. I think, I think the interesting thing is, like, the... I think so, like, for me, I love... Mo- yeah, so this is so... I'm getting there, I promise. I know I'm taking forever. Yeah. But I don't like so many different types. Like, I really wanted to list it out. Like, think in your head all of your favorite indie games and then cross out all the ones when I name a platform, uh, a genre you don't like is my, my thought process. I love indie games that are, like, narrative games or, like farming sims or other simulation games or otome games visual novels of any kind point and click adventure games i do love those and so what i would love if you're asking me how i would fix e3 is i would bring e3 back to basically how it was when the ps3 was late slash early mid ps4 and I you know, had orchestras, and it was cool fucking shit, and it was an event, and it was four fucking days. Four. No longer than four. But I would also have those four days be like a Jeff Keighley-hosted mega indie arcade thing, or, or mega indie showcase, where each day was like different types of indie games. So there was like a roguelike day, and on Twitch there was just, di- or even if it, it wasn't divided like that each day, but in terms of like what would be streaming on Twitch, is like we kick off the indie showcase with all the coolest roguelikes, and like there's different roguelikes streaming on Twitch all the time. And then we go to like simulation games, and like those types of like Stardew Valley type, Harvest Moon type, Pokemon clones, all of those types of games. Then, you know, and like each day you stream and focus on a different subgenre of indie games because my problem is I get overwhelmed with the amount of indie games thrown at me and then I have to sift through the 500 games in this showcase and then to find ones in a genre I'd like and then from those sift to ones that look good like look like I actually want to play because I'm sure I'm not alone I don't play every single game in the genres I like there are some games in the genres I like I don't play I'm sure you don't play every single first person shooter even if you play most of them you know what I mean same concept so I usually am just so exhausted by the process of finding indie games. I like it when like Xbox and PlayStation pick like two or three indie games each and like one, maybe two are something I'd like. Bastion. Bastion breaks all the rules. It was it doesn't even qualify for like a genre I would like. But I saw it so many times, and I'm not gonna lie, Transistor's music was so good that I went back to play Bastion and I fell in love with it. And so it took seeing it a bunch in the really high profile showcases and people talking about it a bunch to finally get me to play. And like I'm capable of getting there, but I just get overwhelmed by choice. And I like it when it's like I have six to choose from, let me pick one. And I wouldn't mind having like huge indie showcase tons of games but it's already easily divided where i don't have to sift quite as much it's like trying to find a new game to play on steam it's just overwhelming there's so fucking many and a lot of them are bad (laughs) so that's that's my issue so i would love to have like two things running simultaneously one focused on triple a and triple i and one focused on all indie but in a more organized cohesive way so it wasn't just a fucking mess i like i like the organization i think one of the differences is that uh and it's one when weekend, what the, four days. The indie games that do show up on the conferences are what you're talking about, where when people say the word indie games, they think of a very specific thing now, which is like games like, that are trying to be retro I want one day to be weird, like just wild card, where it's like everything that you, like this is an indie game. Every game where you go, this is an indie game, that I would wait a whole day. I, I, like, I, like, I like it when, I do like it when indie games show up at these showcases. I, I don't like the games that end up showing there. And that no no like shade to these games to people. It's like I want when I see an indie game show up at at a, at a big conference. I want to say what is that? Not oh, it's a two D platformer. 
oh, it's uh, any of those genres that you're talking about there. So that's so what got... Journey did for me. I was like, what is that? It's not a platformer. It's not an adventure game. There's no. It's not an RPG. There's no dialogue. What is this? I had to play it. I had to find out. I still, you know, example. you still can't describe it. You know, what is it in one word? But a game about existentialism. That's not one word. Right, but like, it's a genre. You know, I'm always like 2D platformer, RPG, turn-based, whatever. It's a puzzle game. It's hard. It is a puzzle, and it is actually there's platforming, but like it's yeah. really forgiving, fun, easy platforming, and you can like make it as easy as you want with the scarves. You can go through the whole game not getting any. You can get it really long. So like, if you're having trouble, you can just look for more scarves. It's it's just a really well done game for for scared little kids like me. I think in my brain, the platforms are, have been doing such a, such a better job. For their individual events at showcasing a broad range of not only indie triple a triple i but like genres of games that i would just like to see that all year round maybe once a month as opposed to big events i understand the need for big events in, in the that big time I, I i think in my heart i would like to hope that if in this magical world that i'm creating the middle gets higher and the peaks get lower and that way it all evens out in a way that I See, I feel like the middle might get higher but not as high as the peaks dip and my second concern is I am with you on the here's a game that's coming out in six years you're gonna hear about it every two months for the next six years as we trickle the same screenshots most of the time but hey we gotta tell you I hate that fucking hate it so for me if we get down to where there's a four-day week in June there's Gamescom and there's TGS or yeah TGS. We want to be like TKS because it's Tokyo. I want I like it's, I'm like TGS sounds too soft because it's Tokyo, but it's so. TGS. Yeah, okay, but like if if we could narrow it down to just those three, and it's like we don't want to hear from your games outside of that. We don't want to hear from your games more than maybe once a year. Pick one of those three events to showcase your game at, and then come back next year. And I think it's gonna remove a lot of pressure on PR. Because they'll have one big PR event a year that they're gearing up for. I, I, do you understand what I'm saying? In terms, I of do understand what you're saying, but that now, would definitely, I know, would def- PR would definitely rather have a yeah, versus low everything, even from like a like like from a stress and planning standpoint. Planning events that happen once a year, as someone who has done that, is the worst fucking job you can have. Like it's it just sucks. Horrible. It just, yeah, because everything is, like, events are so, like, events are all, like, well, maybe this will happen, maybe this will happen, and they all come together. They're like a video game. They all come together in the last, like, tiny little bit. Oh, for sure. Nothing worked, or vendors weren't getting back to you about whether you're going to have chairs or carpet. Like, that's a big one. Like I don't think you're getting orchestras at a monthly event. Like, monthly is insane to me. Monthly events, the quality of what the event is will be so much lower than than what e like e three events, especially if you're there live, like live at the PSX event was a like a, an experience, and I just feel like you're not gonna get that if you end up with like again like your peaks are going to dip drastically. I don't watch any of these. I did not miss an E three for seven years, and I have not watched hardly any of these individual dribble conferences because it's just over. I get overwhelmed when there's so much when it feel it just feels like so much. Three days is very easy to digest for me. 400 conferences over the course of a year? I, I can't. It's too much. They're all at different times. Every fucking day there's a new fucking event. Oh, Kaylee, are you going to watch this? Every day I wake up. Oh, Kaylee, are you going to live stream this event? What event? There's another fucking event today? There's two events today? Why? What? There's news? And then you go and it's like, oh, it turned every fucking time. Oh, hey, guys. I'm sorry I didn't watch that event live. What would you guys think? Should I watch it? 
No, I wouldn't bother. Here's the two things that were announced. Every fucking time, that's the response. So why are we... It's been years of that. Why are we doing this? It doesn't feel like it benefits anyone, and we're just going to get more and more diminishing returns until it's just literally, here's our press release. Like, they're just glorified press releases. But at least E3, it was like, hallelujah, gloria glorified. I think we'll... I don't know if you'll ever be able to capture the glorified version of E3 again because I don't think E3 is going to make it to be back to be alive. No, it's done. It's done, right? Like, I think it's done. And that's the thing that, like, bums me out the most because you keep saying it's four days. It's seven days. It's actually seven. Like, there's three days of a conference that is, like, the business part of E3 that just doesn't, people don't ever see, don't do. And, like, it's cool. If you haven't ever been to the Los Angeles Convention Center and seen how big and imposing of a space that is, and then have it being filled with video games for that amount of time, it's just like wild, right? Like, I feel the same way about Anime Expo. I feel the same way about Anime Expo because they do that in the Los Angeles Convention Center. But a lot of, I think it might now be the whole convention center, but for a long time, it was only half. It's just this huge space where you get to see booths of weird tech stuff that you'd never see, like make it on anything or like the IGN stage or like the GameSpot stage, right? Like there are all these huge produced live events that I just don't think, I don't think you'll ever capture that, but I do think that how people are doing live events is like terrible. Apple just had their WDC keynote today for their developers conference. Apple's figured out how to make live events fun. I'm not going to lie. They're the most boring company on the planet. I've never watched one of those events before and it was trending on Twitter. And then these announcements were coming out and I was like, holy shit. I didn't realize I needed to be watching. This is a really cool event. There's so many announcements and I have so many Apple products. I'm like, I need to go back. As I'm saying, I never watch gaming ones because every single time I fucking ask, should I watch it? The answer is like, no, here's the one announcement. There are so many announcements that I'm like, it's going to be faster to watch the entire event than it is to like read enough articles to not miss any announcements. And that to me is why I like fewer ones because I'd rather save up and be like, here's just like a fuck ton of information. Have fun spending the next few months dissecting it to among uh, and disseminating it among the masses. See it in a hot minute. I think Apple does a really good. They didn't talk about games, which was frustrating to me. I think they had one. They had one developer feature that's coming that'll be useful for games. And I think Game Center got redesigned again, which is. Okay, great. Again, I'm going to keep redesigning Game Center until the end, until you get it right. Until, like, you I guess. It. until you personally love it, Spencer. Email them when you're happy or they will not stop. I think what they learned from, because this wasn't even like a big news event. This is the developer summer. Like, this is just like the developer conference, right? To be like, here's what's coming with the OS. Here's what's coming with all the operating systems. And it had that much news. They do like four events, four or five events a year on this scale, right? And that's the difference. It's a scale. You see them like in places. It's people. It's like the people and figures you know from Apple like giving you the presentations of the things that they would do like at a keynote normally where it would be like in person. I think that people saw how Nintendo did it and have been trying to figure out the magic of how Nintendo made directs without like really boiling down what that magic was. Like one of the most like amazing moments of E3 is that puppet intro to the Nintendo direct the year before, like that was right before a while to die. Yeah. Right? Like we have, like they have stopped doing those things, even Nintendo to 
some degree has stopped. Like you do see the guy who snaps his fingers, so I can never remember his name. And sometimes you see Doug Bowser come I out do and talk. His name. But I think that a part of the reason we're missing a lot of the like excitement and hype and why the Sony one specifically feels so like weird and hollow is because they're just like a voice we don't know who it is telling us the showing us these clips that we could just watch on youtube it's just like you're just showing me something i could just look up on youtube at a later and thing that's so it never feels like i really did not think the e3 going online would be that much of an issue because i used to do the playstation e3 experience where you would watch the live feed in a movie theater and it was the best because there was a movie theater full of fucking nerds going ham all at the same time at all of the exact announcements in unison with the people in the crowd at the event and it was great but most of it was just Sean Layton would come out and talk. You'd see that. And then it would cut to pre-created little video that they had. But it was done like on in a big screen. So it was fancy when you were there. And I watched it on a movie theater screen. It was dope. And so I was kind of excited for E3 2020. Because I was like, oh, all of the dope videos. I'll just watch on my big screen at home. And it'll be tight. It'll just be like I'm seeing all of the cool E3 videos. Or like even when the orchestras were there at the E3 presentation. They would have like a cool panning shot of the orchestra that would like lead into the screen. And then they would cut to the pre-made video thing and you could still hear the orchestra and it was dope as shit like you could do pre-made already like you could have the orchestra just be you know you could film that you could film an orchestra like in front of the screen and then fade in and you could you could film all that you've literally filmed that before i watched it in theaters it was awesome like you could do exactly what you did and just do it online and it would be hype as fuck people would wa- people would come over and have watch parties you would have people like oh don't forget to stream your watch party hashtag you know square enix e3 presentation and then it would start with like a fucking like piccolo player playing one of the final fantasy themes you know it would be dope as shit and then it's like what what's this piccolo player and the pickle player and then the pickle player would zoom out farther and farther and there's a screen behind it and then the presentation would start and then it would just be the presentation whatever it's just dope it doesn't matter it just has to be cool you could have a talking head of doug bowser and then you know he's dressed as bowser and he's like rawr and then it cuts yeah, to I, the Nintendo Direct. I think all the things I'm the, all the things I'm unhappy with E3. I mean, besides, just have you got to have a team leader of like who like you just have to have someone in charge, and it doesn't feel like there's anybody in charge. Yep. It just feels like the E3 Twitter account feels so much just like somebody who used to be in like work at like game like work in one of the like outlets social media department is now the e3 because it's just like the hey guys if you're having trouble signing up just like let me know tweet me here i'll dm you and help you sign up to do whatever and it's like why is this how why is this the tone this used to be a business conference (laughs) right i think people forget that this used to be the answer that ces used to put video games out in the parking lot by like the porn right by like all the technology that porn was bringing they were like video games you can go out there nice and so they were like forgot our roots yeah they're like but we want to be in the building and ces was like no so they're like well we're gonna go do our own thing then and so to see it go from like we're gonna do this own thing to just have no form is just (coughs) sad to me and like events people it's a hard gig to get it's a hard gig to like continue to do and the fact that there's going to be one less big event for all of the vendors that do that like People who build booths. That's a whole industry of people who do nothing but build people's booths for conventions. So, And all of the professional cosplayers they would hire 
when Darksiders 1 came out, my boyfriend was super into it, bought it, played the whole thing, and was like, man, you know, this is a great idea. I watched it. I watched it play it, and we were both like, man, this is a great idea, great concept, cool, like, idea, the forest from the apocalypse. I wish there were more games like that, but kind of meh. And then the second one came out, and... I was like, oh, I can't believe it got a sequel because it was like, you know, it was just qu- not quite good enough that we weren't sure if it would make it. Like, they were always like, they sold reasonably well, but they never like blew the dick off anything. Okay. And I'm like, yes. Yeah. So, Darksiders 1 came out in 2010, Darksiders 2 came out in 2012. So, like, when Darksiders 2 came out, I was like, oh, that got a sequel. Cool. Bought it, played it. It was like, okay, you know, Death, another one of the four horsemen, neat. Let's do this. And then it didn't get another sequel until 2018. I broke up with my boyfriend by then. So, like, uh, when I saw Darksiders 3 announcement, I was like, oh, shit. That game my ex was really into. I can't believe it got a third game. I thought that the second one just didn't do enough. And Darksiders 3 got a female horseman of the apocalypse, which I'm not going to lie. That gets me every time. I don't fucking care. If your game has a female protagonist, I am way more likely to give it a try. That's just a reality that I live in. I spent so long having to play as boys. It's just so exciting to finally get to play as a girl. And that hasn't worn off. That like, I get to play as a girl and I don't have to be a boy? That shit hits me so hard. But it's fine because Fury was a girl. She had a whip. She was cool. And they paid people to cosplay as her as death who like was on stilts i watched them put the helmet on him and he was like on stilts and then the death thing and he was like this big guy and then he had a little tiny normal human-sized head until they put the giant helmet on him <laughs> so he was just standing there in his stilts with his costume and then he had a little tiny pea head but they paid those cosplayers good fucking money and they paid for those amazing costumes to be made like there's no way those cosplayers would have been able to build the elaborate fiber optic constructions on the cos without it being sponsored in some way you know without being sponsored to do so without being paid to do so seeing how this is going to affect the cosplay community which i love cosplayers are so cool and i want them to have more opportunities like to be able to get paid to go to booths to make them cooler because you bet your dick that darksiders 3 booth that booth had people playing the game the whole week because it was so cool whenever they would walk by people like oh what game is that and there would just be whispers all over whenever those cosplayers would go by overwatch is really big on that overwatch loves playing cosplayers to show up in high quality cosplay with baller lights and cool props and take pictures and i i love it i think the problem is that the people who are the pr teams who are making these games are not filled with people who tend to be people who play video games, which is like the social teams are a lot of gamers and the other things. But like when you like those teams and like community management, like people who are in your forums and stuff tend to be like community members and gamers. But a lot of the just business, look at the research, look at the data people tend not to be gamers and i think they are the ones who right now have control of what these presentations look like and i hope that as we lose this big physical space where video games live that someone is like we need to figure out how to bring that energy into digital presentation i don't think it's an impossible thing to be that can't be done right like if apple can make everybody excited to see the inside of apple park people who make video games can definitely come up with something that makes people excited for it. I mean, people like, do tours for IGN and GameSpot all the time. That's just a thing. They do them for free, which is crazy. They could absolutely charge money for those tours. Gamers are stupid. 10 bucks for an IGN tour, IGN first. They do it once a month because you could charge for this tour. I keep saying tour weird. Tour. Tour. But my last question, hopefully quick, is my big concern 
with the idea of spreading out E3 from a nice, like, because I was saying four days, and what I meant was four public-facing days, which, yes, for a, a three-day event is a week. A five-day event is at least two weeks, because it's at least half of the week before, and it's at least half of the week after. But when you get into, like, five-day event territory, that's when it becomes, like, you might, you're scheduling three weeks. You get there a week early to set up everything and fix all the shit that falls with shit. You have the actual event. You have a day or two for breakdown. And then you have days to recover. That's how it should be if it's a five-day event. So, like, four is right on that cusp where you're right. It's it's a seven-plus-day event for the people working it. But I meant four days, like, four days of live, like, streaming to the audience. Just to be clear. Because I'm not, I'm not that out of the loop for event planning where yeah a four-day event is not four days for the people in charge of it but what what i mean by that is that if it's a four-day event and then journalists plan their life around that one it's like yeah crunch does suck maybe you guys should unionize and like now that should keep you really woke to when you're when you're writing about game when you're writing about game dev crunch and then refuse to crunch one week out of the year it should say something to you about the way that you interact with writing about game dev crunch and i don't feel like a lot of journalists when they think about or discuss crunch in game dev that lasts for months and months and months and months, really understand what that means when they bitch about how hard E3 is. I'm not going to lie. I know E3 is hard. I'm not an idiot. I'm not crazy. It's long, strenuous hours. And some of it is like you have to go to bars and get drunk every night, which one, if you're not a person that drinks, is a fucking shit show. Two, if you're not a cis man, is a shit show because it's terrifying and a bunch of different directions and three is like really shitty and you shouldn't have to do it but that's how networking works and again it, in politics in business in like gaming's not di- in other types of journalism there's cocktail parties where everyone gets drunk and that's where the deals get made and it's shitty and if attacking that man when we can solve that we can solve problems in a lot of industries so i it, that's just a thing where i'm like this exists and we're just gonna have to accept that's a thing that exists when we talk about planning stuff or we're living in an alternate reality so yes they're drunk every night and hung over every day because they had to go to these bars. And a lot of people's response on Twitter is like, well, why do you go to all these E3 after parties or these packs after parties and then bitch about how you're hung over? And it's like, because you have to. That's where deals get made. Like, it's, I get the game. That's the game. I get that. I, I don't want to pretend that I'm ignorant enough to ignore that that's the game. Like, yes, you E3 and packs and shit like that are exhausting and hard because you're up all night partying and after partying and you're up early in the morning and working all day on your feet, running to different booths and doing different things. And it's exhausting and it sucks dick. And then you got to crunch all these fucking articles out. And the first one there gets all the clicks. So it's a bunch of hard work. And it lasts a fucking week. It's a week that you always know when it is. And you have tons of time to prepare for. And you can get more staff for. And it comes every year. So you can get better and better and better at. And you can learn from. And if people didn't get churned out of this industry every three years... We would learn from the last 20 E3s how to get better. But instead, we have everyone going to their first E3. And just when they're getting the hang of E3, they spin off to do their own thing and do E3 solo their way. And some new kid has to figure out how to do E3 for the first time. And it's just, it's that. It's the churning cycle of we have no way to learn from past E3s because nobody stays long enough. So tons of bad problems intersecting. But I think that the solution that we're seeing now where news is a thing that happens constantly for months with no warning is way worse and if you had to pick one i would absolutely go back to the old one i don't think that there's any reality we're having 
even if it was just two conferences a week every week for the entire year, like that's exhausting. That's that's just exhausting having them every month. That's too much. I think let's I'm like three to four a year is enough. Another reason that games media needs to have a big old union. Yep. Not 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 limited to just IGN should unionize them and just GameSpot to just unionize. No, they shouldn't. They should all do it hey, together. All of them together. And then and they should allow blogs and stuff in their union. Freelancers. freelancers. Jinx. Uh, <laughs> that was the energy I needed to end this segment. Guys, the secret word of the day is unionize. That's what's going to save E3. And how did we get here? No one's unionized. And that's why it's the segmented, decentralized mess it is now. And if you have a libertarian friend, you need to ask them if they want their fucking like DMV to run like E3. No, they don't. They'll be with driver's licenses. All the people that make E3 happen, like all the people who make the booths happen and make those stage happens, they're absolutely a union. Oh, yeah. Anybody who so. is, and anybody who's an influencer enough to be able to join SAG after, like, there are some people who are being able to sneak into unions now, but we need a game journalist union. Literally two weeks ago, when all of that shit happened with Israel, that's when we needed, when the genocide was like, can't talk about that genocide, when that happened, that was the exact moment that the union became non-negotiable. It was never negotiable, but that's the moment where it became indefensible in any reality. Do you know where this brings us? After talking about talking about games, we're finally going to talk about games. <laughs> because it's time for the... Play some games. All right, Jordan. So E3's <laughs> coming on. Don't make fun of my energy. I'm like just fuck. I I wasn't making fun. I just it just took me by surprise. Karate chop. Um, was it was it the energy or was it the karate chop? Uh, the energy behind the karate chop. Okay, best possible answer. A thing that uh, I experienced this week was that I finally finished Nier. <gasps> Can I tell you how many hours it took? No. Yeah. Spoilers. Oh. Spoilers for Nier. Uh, one thing that's common in all Yoko Taro games is that uh, they do a lot of save data manipulation. As in, there's some shit that happens, and then it deletes save files. And then you start new games. Yeah, I did so know I... that. So is that why you don't know? Because it got deleted? Part of it. Part of it is it got like... You know, I got an ending, and that that save file got deleted. And I got another ending, and then that save file got, got deleted. But also, the the game clock in this game uh, stops at ninety nine fifty nine ninety nine. So, so you played at, at least hundred hours. At the very least, hundred hours, maybe twenty or thirty more. Any more spoilers? No. So that's fun. My my thing that I really liked about Neo now that I'm finished with it is that like, and the thing I really hate is that that shitty trophy that um, oh. makes joke about a, a character's intersex identity it's like that character's story and that character's arc is so important to the whole overall theme and it takes it so seriously the whole game takes it so seriously the game is really i did hear that like, it, was, so... it was especially awkward because it's like it's not like this is a joke character or that like no. this is played for laughs it's very serious the game overall is just there's, there's a lot of themes in the game about what you would do for love and what it means to love yourself. And the way that it wrapped up in ending E was just, I want to say ending E, the, the, at, by the time I finished all the endings and experienced the whole story, it was just, it was just lovely. And I would, I would suggest anyone 
who's willing to go through that play the game. The, the, the worst part no. of this experience was just getting that second ending because I wanted to do all the side missions. I wanted to get all the weapons and blah, 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 right? And there's one side mission that requires you to plant some flowers and get a flower that has like, kind of like a random drop of happening. And the game plants flowers in real time. I mentioned this before. So oh, it took yeah. me two weeks to just do this one. I'm just sitting there at 99% cycles done. And I'm like, I, I'm nope. right at the end. Nope. I'm right at the end, but I can't play more. So that sucked. But overall, it was just such a lovely, lovely experience. Could I explain how the games are connected to the other games? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I needed to watch a YouTube video. And it was still it was still a little, a little unclear for me. But I didn't play Dragon Guard. The other three things that happened. There are three things that happened to me. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to speed by them. I played a shit ton of Knockout City. I love Knockout City. It is, I thought it was going to be one of those complicated games that are complicated, like Overwatch. But like, I want to play and I get into it and I hate it. And Knockout City is just, it's so, so simple. And it's like a simple, simple game designery game to me. In that like, oh, this game is about like teamwork. How do you express teamwork? Passing makes your, your dodgeball balls stronger. That's it. And it's simple and it's super fun. I wish it was doing better on Twitch because I think when games like that big don't do well on Twitch, they probably don't do well. No, I hear a lot of people talk about it. It's a really, it's a really, really fun, nice game that has a lot of heart. Speaking of a lot of heart, I played Don't Starve together. I played a lot of Don't Starve together this weekend. Uh, I played Don't Starve together, and I'm just finding out about it. You didn't text me, you didn't tell me, you didn't call me. I had a friend who randomly was just like, you want to play Don't Starve? Or do you have a little Starve? He's like, yes, I've played. played it's amazing. I love Don't Starve. It's amazing. I, what a good series. I played it mostly on PlayStation 4 back in the day, but I got it on Steam and I realized, oh, because it's on Steam, it has the Steam Workshop. And this game came out in 2015. There are so many character mods that I can play as. I played as all the animes. I played as Curse the Cowardly Dog. <gasps> I played That's so perfect. as Crash Bandicoot. It's great. It's such a great experience. You it changes the game. That. Oh, or like, I gotta watch you play. I'm gonna come to New York just to watch you play Don't Starve. Is that cool? Perfect. <laughs> the best thing about Don't Starve mods, I'm just gonna talk about Don't Starve mods for a second. They not only, the characters don't only just add the characters to that world, they sometimes change enemies. They sometimes add different items into the world. So you're still getting the Don't Starve thing. It's like, I don't know what's happening in this world until until some random shit comes into my face. Yes. Like, is the extra spice that I needed. And when, when you play as Crash Bandicoot and, and you die, all the players that are playing with you hear the wow sound that he makes. Yes. Really and finally, the last thing that happened to me this week is that I started a thing that I'm calling Jordan's Dreamcast Adventure. I love Dreamcast. The Sega Dreamcast is my second favorite console of all time. The first being the Nintendo Switch. And Jordan's Dreamcast Adventure. Yeah. I have no way to play my Dreamcast because my big old HDTV doesn't have AV cables. It just doesn't take those things. So the simple way to do that is to get an AV to HDMI converter. But those are not great when it comes to the like really? stability, because they'll not la- they won't last very long. The picture won't be very clear. It just like upreses it in a way I that's not. I had no idea. I thought that we had our- yeah, you just get an adapter, easiest player. With those old old consoles, the it, it becomes really 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 weird. So I'm going through the long process of, I would not suggest anyone do this, modding my uh, Dreamcast because I have two Dreamcasts. And you can get two mods called the GDME, GDEMU, where it's, it's like a digital like uh, disc reader because disc readers from those consoles get old and don't work anymore. So I'm just going to, I have all Dreamcast games and I'm going to rip them onto CDs and then put them on my, uh, my new digital Dreamcast 
I'm going to get an HDMI, deviation HDMI uh, mod and play it on my big screen TV and play Power Stone with my buddies. Hey. And I'm going to get so excited. I just want to talk, I love Dreamcast so much. Every time I get to play it, I'm going to talk about it. We are hitting a point in the year where my entire video game budget is going to be focused on games that are coming out in the next week. So spending $300 on a bunch of game Dreamcast uh, mods, that's not the best decision, but I'm going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Zyger has been out of town, so he's probably playing a shit ton of games, little bastard. So I haven't played any video games this week, uh, except for Fallout 4. And there's only so much I can talk about Fallout 4 without knowing it's boring as shit. So it's up to you, Spencer. I have an Xbox Series X, finally. <gasps> so now we all have, like, we now have both. Like in the in the podcast, yeah. PS5s and Xbox Series X. Um, I love it. I am kind of disappointed that I didn't think it was going to be as cool as it actually is. Like, yeah. I think I bought into a lot of the oh well, the UI is the same and it doesn't really look like it does that much, but like it's nice. Uh, quick resume is way more useful than I thought. Um, the other thing that's way more useful than I ever thought is terrible, shitty company Ubisoft actually made a good product when they made Ubisoft Connect because I was playing Assassin's Creed Valhalla on my PC when it launched and it was fine. I didn't really like playing it with mouse and keyboard. I didn't like sitting in my chair. That wasn't really like a game I wanted to play at the computer, Mm -hmm. but, um, now that we got the Series X, I got it for the Xbox, and now my save files just show up, and I don't have to replay the game or do whatever, but if I want to play it on my computer so that my partner can watch TV, then I can do that, and it's fine, and then I just go back to playing it on the Xbox, and it works pretty well, and I haven't had a problem with saves being weird. The other thing is, is that I get to compare the Xbox Series X to my... 2020 next streaming computer i just have a pre-built computer it's the it's the is it the mid level it's either the mid-level or the like lower highest level nzxt you could get so um so it it's fairly fast it runs games really nicely it ran valhalla fairly well minus the bugs and as those have been worn out it's ran it better but i'm shocked at how quick the load times are on the series x it's wild like i'm so used to huh yeah i'm so used to being like "Ooh, i'm gonna play on my oh okay no playing on my phone (laughs) i gotta keep fighting which is like good for me because i will leave people to die like not pay attention to video games because i get sucked into twitter so it really stops that um the new controller's just the same controller it's got a third button that's whatever i feel like that seems like a bummer but then you're just like well i guess they just made like they really were like we had this thing that people kind of liked so what could we do to make it better so people will like it more and i do like it more and i have xbox game pass so that's nice to have all those games i haven't played i just realized that that xbox is the only one that didn't get a ridiculously expensive controller this year this this correct like because you know, haptic feedback and all that stuff, it only changes the game, but it's still expensive. And Joy-Cons? Fuck out of here. It's if $70. Joy-Cons didn't break every 20 minutes, they wouldn't be that expensive. 
But how much I had I bought a second dual sense. How much did I pay for it? How much are the dual senses? Sixty, probably. Sixty, seventy. Right? I thought there was I thought there were seventy. I was gonna say seventy, you said sixty, and I was like, isn't that how much a controller usually costs? How much does the Xbox control? Like you were like insanely expensive controller and I was like, I didn't oh, know there I, was a I'm sorry, I that, that I should be real clear. I mean expensive to make. Oh. Like, right, the, the technology in the controller themselves. Oh yeah, they still have fucking double A batteries. Still have double A batteries. It's infuriating. It's 2021. To me that we Where can I get a double A battery? Where it is buy insane. That? I've got a ton of them because I have Xbox controllers. Yeah, so, so does Tiger. He has a box of them. He buys them by the case because he has three Xbox controllers, including the Elite, which is a f- piece of trash falling apart, super expensive controller that. Didn't come with, did that one come with batteries or did that one? No, actually... it comes with batteries. Okay. It doesn't come with the charger. You have to buy I was extra. So, I it's was $150 and so you have to buy the charger extra. Yeah. I know that because I bought it for as a Christmas present. Yeah. I forgot what the controller was called until I started saying it. But Zyger has the Elite One and anytime I bring up how fucked this super expensive controller is, everyone goes, oh, well, yeah, the Elite One, whatever. The Elite Two, that one's really good. And it's like. I remember when the Elite one came out, and you all said the same thing. It was amazing and totally worth the price. It's very expensive for a controller, and we're kind of shocked that controllers are so expensive. But man, when you use it, it's totally worth it. No. It's it's got the same problems as the Joy-Cons, right? Like, when you first get that Elite controller, it feels nice, and you can, like, change the, like, I like having the slightly higher... Um, do you use the concave ones? Those are serial killers. I sticks. use the con. I use the con. Oh no. yeah, concave, no. not convex. Con, not convex. Zyger- the convex ones. I can just. Zyger's concave out. ones broke, so all he has left, the, like the rubber has just disintegrated on them, and all he has left are the convex ones, and it's hell. They're so they're so tall, and then also the convex is so high, and they're so smooth. There's nothing to hold on to. They're just horrible little nubs. Well, now that I love my Xbox Series X, my big wish is I hope they bring the controller, the like custom controller to the third version of the Elite when it comes. Like, you know, there's going to be, I think oh, that'd be cool. if we see haptic, it's going to be in that third version. Like if the that. Xbox, what's that called? The Xbox, is it Controller Lab? Yeah. Yes. If the Controller Lab had like an Elite 3 upgrade option where you could do all the Controller Lab stuff, but you could also pick like the color of the triggers that come with those extra triggers that come with it and like. All yeah. that stuff. That'd be sick. I don't know if I'd buy it because the Elite One's so fucking shitty, but I dream of the day that we get a controller lab for the Dual Sense because that thing's gorgeous and then it has so many spots where you can get different colors. You could do really. I've, I was on a website where you could get custom Dual Sense controllers with different colors so I could get one that was my stream colors. And oh, there's so many different like points of articulation on a doll, but like points of customization. It was just so, so exciting the possibilities. So I was pretty sure the PS5 was going to be my main console when I got it. And I am not sure of that anymore. It I, may just be what I use to play Final Fantasy and whatever Sony game I want to play. I think it's likely for that because I do think the Xbox Series X uh, has more things that are fun about it. Like the, what's the multi-game thing that it's called? What do they call theirs? Playing multi any game and switching. Oh, um, like Quick resume, yeah. Quick resume. That's way better than the PlayStation version, mm-hmm. where it's like, you can resume into the game you're early in, but if you go into another game, that, that other game has to close. And that alone is like... I didn't find out Quick Resume lets you have... So, like, if Zyger's playing one game on the Xbox, and I wanted to play a different game on the Xbox, they could... Zyger's game doesn't have to close. 
I know that sounds yeah. so stupid, but like I didn't know that's quick resume could like paw like hold bookmarks and games for different profiles until Spencer told me when she got her ex- Xbox Series X. Yeah, it's why I mean, like, and even in the like, even if it's like you're gonna switch between the game, like, the, it'll like with Assassin's Creed, it saves really well, like the auto savings really well. Like, n- neither one of us has lost a lot of like time played when like one of us has been like well i want to play assassin's creed and all you have to do is log in and hit y and go back to the main menu and it goes really fast to go back in to switch even on the same game between like between uh profiles which is what i thought was going to be like overwatch probably good about that on playstation like i'll open overwatch signed in in zyger and be like fuck Oh, it it had the same thing on Xbox. It was like the push whatever to change the thing. It's that, but it's on all games that you. Yeah, no, that's what that's what I'm thinking of. I'm like that would be sweet on every game. Yeah, I'm uh, interested to see because this week is the week that Ratchet and Clank comes out. So that's the first AAA PlayStation Five game that is not a remake or a port. And it's only on PlayStation Five. I'm yeah. interested to see that uh, the walkthroughs that they had been advertising for so long for that was going to be. For, like, oh, the guides, yeah. The guides that are built in into the game that you can just like press the home button, look at the drill, whatever the thing is, because they they advertise that for so long, and it's not really a thing that you've been able to make use of, at least to my knowledge. I have until, no uh, idea what you're talking about. When the PlayStation Five was uh, coming out, they uh, they advertise like they're gonna have guides built into the games into the system where you can, if you're having trouble with a thing, there'll be like probably a developer made like video that can play that'll show you how to do the thing which is like which would be which super theoretically super cool right and beca- i assume it's going to be a retro and clank because that's the game that they used to advertise it back when they showed the in the direct video so if it's not retro and clank that means that feature got quietly canceled either that or it's like oh man we're not gonna see that for another year. Mm-hmm. But so I like my Xbox Series X. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah, Zyger and I are both convinced that there's going to be a Halo special edition Series X. And Zyger's obsessed with Halo. So we haven't even attempted to get a Series X because we've been waiting. We got the PS5. So it was like we have an Xbox One X and all the games coming to Series X you can play on one X. And we got a PS5 for next gen shit. So it's like, let's just wait until um, Halo Infinite comes out. And if Halo Infinite comes out and either there isn't a special console or there is one and it sells out and we can't get it, that's when we'll start trying to get a Series X. It's just like, whatever. I bet it's the white one. I hope it's the white one because Zyger hates white consoles and I just think it would be <laughs> so funny. Because I love white like, them. And they it matched the PS5, so I would love it if it was the white one. It's Because the past ones have been like Master Chief yeah. Collection was a white one. And he's pissed about it. Halo 5 is white. He one. has tons of white consoles and he hates them. He got the <laughs> he only got a PS4 to play Destiny because he was in a Andrea Renee's Destiny group, raid group, whatever. Yeah, and uh, the Destiny 2 PS4 was a white PS4. So he had the white fucking PS4 and the white Xbox and every console he gets is white. I had the white PS4 and the white Xbox. I thought they were sick. Good look. My buddy had the white Vita. The original OLED screen, white Vita. I can't remember what game. I think he got it with Assassin's Creed Rogue. It was a weird game that came with the white Vita. And anytime I saw Vita, I was like, damn, it doesn't look as good as that original OLED white one. Gorgeous. All right. Wait. Oh, God. Speaking of bullying Zyger for his white consoles, I just realized I can't bully Zyger about his inability to comprehend the concept of a phonetic alphabet this week. How's the show supposed to end? 
Oh no, Spencer, help me. Well, I can end it by telling you that I am doing a ton of streaming this week. You can look on my Twitter or you can go to MissNintendeek64.com, which I just got up and running so that you can find everything I'm streaming for E3 this week. So, And we're and then- mixing the streams in a metaphorical sense because your Halloween podcast, that's amazing if you haven't checked it out yet, is it Halloween yet? It might not be Halloween yet, but it's time for Is It Halloween Yet? the weekly patch crossover because i'm gonna be on it she itched we're gonna talk about the conjuring three this week which is a movie we have fucking thoughts you guys if you are like hmm what thoughts oh baby you gotta listen to this episode it's gonna be a good one it's gonna be, sp- it's gonna be informative said, oh, you're gonna learn so much information i promise you it's if this episode goes the way i think it does i'm about to pitch spencer another podcast that's how i'm feeling so i'm really excited about it um, definitely follow Spencer on Ms. Nintendo TX before. Uh, but also, so you don't miss it, it's gonna be a fucking good one. And then, if you're nervous, you can catch up because she's done all the other conjurings, including all the shitty spinoffs. So you've got a ton of content to find. But on Twitter, you're gonna find her at, ha- um, a Halloween club. I was gonna say that, and then I was, at the last minute, I was afraid it was wrong, and I was like, shit, I'm gonna say it and be wrong. And then you saw my hesitation. It's too long. Otherwise, it would I be feel that, but I like so. Halloween. It makes me feel like I know it's. It makes no sense, but it makes me feel like the Babysitters Club. Like it's a little bit that it's more. Um, Sven Gulli used I to know. have like the Ghouls Club. That's why I'm like, I know it's not the reference at all whatsoever, and I apologize. But I always go Babysitters <laughs> Club because they do some spooky books, and I read all of. Them. I loved the spooky Babysitters Club books, so I was like, ooh, I love the spooky Babysitters Club books. Whenever we talk about it, but I was like, it's a Halloween club, and I was like, is it the Halloween? No, it's a. I know for a fact it's a, and then I just panicked and died. But that's okay because usually all I do is be like, hey Zyger, say a word. And then I bully him. And it's so easy. But now we just have to talk about actual good content. So that's going to be really exciting to check out. Uh, and you're actually, bless your heart, showing how obnoxious this E3 schedule thing is. Because you're just, you're doing it. You're like, here, we're going to do all 9 million conferences. Bought a fucking Bing. I'm not. If you want to check out E3 content, do what I'm doing. Just fucking follow Spencer. Jesus. All right. Speaking of Jesus. Yeah, you like that? You like oh, that? You. What's up? <laughs> um, you can follow me on Twitter at Versified. And this is usually the part of the podcast where I tell you to buy We Should Talk. But instead, I'm telling you to go to itch.io and click on the indie bundle for a Palestinian aid. We Should Talk is a part of this bundle. And it's raising money to go to the United Nations Relief and Works Agency, which provides food assistance for over 1 million Palestinians and continues to do so in the territories with heavy destruction. There's a goal of meeting $500,000, and as of recording, we're at over 457000 Ooh, analyzingly close. So close. These games, will, this bundle will be up throughout the rest of the week, and it's, you know, minimum $5. Afterwards, pay what you want, and you'll get 1,019 games uh, at the minimum, because games are being added, you know, every day. And one of those games will be We Should Talk. So for this week, just go and go to this Palestinian aid bundle at itch.io. We'll have the link in the meeting notes. Boom. Show notes. Show notes, yeah. We'll have the <laughs> link in the show notes. 
Nice. Oh, and then I do me. And me is Kaylee. And Kaylee is at Kirk of Art XD on Twitter. You like that? That was a solid transition. And if you thought that was a solid transition, you can follow me at Quirk of Art on Twitch, too, because it doesn't get much better. So we'll set that far. If you liked that, expect no better. At Quirk of Art, uh, available now at fine retailers. That's what's up. And that's going to do it for the week 17 patch rollout. Subscribe to future patches on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow the weekly patch at the weekly patch on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Or join the QA process on our Discord server. Comments, questions, blog reports? Send them to us at hello at theweeklypatch.com. Links to all these and more in the episode patch notes below. Week 17 patch complete. Today for some, for some reason, for some reason today I went to turn I turned on my PC and I was using it like normal and then I went to take talk out and then when I came back my PC was like in sleep so I just shook the mouse awake and somehow my three monitors all jumbled up positions in my computer's memory of where they were so I couldn't figure out how to get my mouse to the screen that was able to go to the display to fix the organ order because of where I don't understand how these are connected. I don't they're supposed to be in like an L shape and they ended up moving into a straight line but with like the last computer in the front and the front one in the middle and the middle one in the and it was fucking crazy and I don't know how it happened